It's hard to balance life and a full-time job and still enjoy the things in your life you're passionate about. If you're passionate sports, every Monday and Thursday, join me as we talk about the day's biggest sports topics, the previews, game analysis, the infusion of music and sports, and rumors in the sports world. If you love sports and want a new, fresh perspective from a sports podcast, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Keith Johnson, and this is Sports Fans Only. Now let's talk some damn sports. Welcome back, my beautiful people, for another episode of Sports Fans Only with your boy, Keith Johnson and Sean Matt. This podcast is being brought to you by Anchor FM, MTS Music Group, and The Paragon Show. If you're an entrepreneur who needs advice, guidance, or information about being an entrepreneur, check out The Paragon Show, hosted by Jean Renaud on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Now that that's over with, I have a little something I have to admit. I am depressed. And I'm depressed because my Patriots, I see the dynasty just is slipping away, slipping through my fingertips. And Sean, I know you're basking in my torment and in my misery. And I see you smiling over there. I just, they just look like a shell of themselves. Our receivers look like Division Three receivers. Our tight ends are nowhere to be found. Brady's starting to look like he's 42. But we're losing not because of his ability, but because of these receivers. It's just, my God, the Patriot front office, they can't draft a receiver if it saves their life. I mean, going back 10 years, and I'm going to keep this short, it's been 10 years and they haven't drafted a good receiver. you got teams like New Orleans and Pittsburgh, they draft receivers. Every year they draft a great receiver. Patriots, it's been Dion Branch, you know what? Let me stop. I'm gonna wait okay. until we get in. You know what? Let's just. What up, Sean? What's going on, man? I know you hear it in my voice. I'm all tense and messed up, but what's going on, brother? Not much. Good to be here with you. Always, always. Yeah, man. Funny I, thing I, is this. The funny thing is, it's like I'm in a bizarro world because for those that are saying that y'all know that the dynasty's over. It's different reasons for me when I hear people say because Brady's done. I, this is strange. I'm in bizarro world. I'm going to have to defend Brady here. I have to defend him. He's not done. Not by the least bit. We all see that because of the product that's on the field. The product on the field that's surrounding him sucks. And I actually heard today that Robert Kraft we're going to get a visit from Belichick, Brady, and Edelman about letting Antonio Brown return to the team. And this was a good source that I heard it from, so I believe it. But Brady's not done. He slowed down a little bit, but he's just as good as Joe Montana was when he went to Kansas City, I believe, in San Francisco for his tenure. 
So I don't think he's done. You give him the talent that uh, I'm just going to think of a team with good receivers and great talent. All right. Give him the same talent that Baker Mayfield has, and they would be right now 12-0. and 0. Guarantee you, Keith. Yeah, I, I believe that, man, because beginning of the year when we had Antonio Brown and even a couple of games after when we still had Josh Gordon, we were putting up 30-plus points a game. Now, Grant, the defense was getting a lot of turnovers and we were getting the ball at short field, but we were still scoring touchdowns. Now it's like these dudes can't even – like it's, it's like a miracle if we score a touchdown now. Like that's how few and far in between touchdowns are recently like we're kicking field goals and it's like I know Brady still has a talent for the life of me I just can't understand why they got rid of Josh Gordon it it bothers me and Steve Young was on the Michael K show today I was listening to the radio on the way home and Steve Young said there's definitely a story within that story he was like I refuse to believe the Patriots just let go of a healthy Josh Gordon and got nothing in return they just let him go so he thinks there's something wrong. I think you even said that. There's something with that. I think mm-hmm. the Patriots are just being a classy organization and just saying, you know what, that's not our problem no more. It's not our business to put that out there. So they just let him go and didn't tell nobody. But definitely something happened. And I don't know. I have a, I have a question for you, Keith. What's question. that? Is it that the Patriots' offense is looking that way? Or is it, have they secretly been like that all year? Just work with me here. The defense was doing better. All right, the defense have more film on tape, which means more teams can try to find out their weaknesses and find out little ways to, you know, maybe trick them, which is hard because it's a defense that's led by Bill Belichick. But my question would be, do you think the lack of, possessions that all right so when the defense got on the field they were taking the ball Tom Brady were getting was getting more possessions so do you think it's just now that teams are holding the ball longer and y'all aren't getting the three and outs and the interceptions and turnovers that Brady's just not getting on the field as longer for example if they were able to get the ball back five times in a row do you think Brady would go five times without scoring I don't think so Keith yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. This this season has been so crazy as far as like the the defense played so out of their mind early. Now sometimes I, I like to think that <clears throat> those teams were garbage in the beginning of the season. I mean, really bad. So I, I I could never really tell is the defense this great or is it the competition. But either way. You're right. They were they were getting interceptions. Teams were going three and out, and we would usually get the ball at the 50-yard line or something like that, or or even closer. A lot of times, it'd be like the 30-yard line. So with all these new receivers, we've never really had to go up and down the field. And, and I, I don't know, because the preseason, you don't get that much practice time. You mm-hmm. have two, two rookie receivers, brand-new tight ends, um, the only person that he's thrown the ball to before this season was Edelman. Every in Dorsett, but he's been hurt most of the year. Everybody else is new, so I think it's a combination of all that stuff, man. It's just weird circumstances, circumstances that resulted in this. I've never seen the Patriots so 
identify what's the word I'm looking for um without an identity their offense when they come into a game you have no idea what they're gonna do it's, yeah it's, it's, yeah but um yeah well, we're gonna get into more of that I apologize for the rant we weren't supposed to go this long <laughs> talking about football this early but you see where my head's at right now and but anyway we're gonna get through this show even though uh your boy's not feeling so great about football right now. Even though we're 10 and 2, your boy's kind of down right now. But anyway, um, we're going to get in some music. One of them brand new big boy toys. I do big boy things. I make big boy noise. Cause I know what girls want. want. I know what they like. like. They want to stay up and party all night. So bring a friend. Let me talk to you. Tell you how it is. I was thinking when I saw that body. Gotta get shorty. Tell her what the young boy gon' do. Damn them chicks with you. Gotta be your kids. They really thick with a kick. Yeah. 
Yeah, today we learned some of the details of one of Josh Shaw's bets that in part led to his suspension. And this wasn't your typical pregame bet on a point spread. Uh, he placed a three-team parlay for a few thousand dollars on the second halves of three Week 10 NFL games. Now, he, here's the real attention grabber. Included in that parlay was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were hosting the Arizona Cardinals, Shaw's team. Now, I should note that parlay wagers, because that they require multiple picks uh, to be correct to win, are not usually associated with any kind of uh, game-fixing or point-shaving, and the NFL's investigation of this revealed no games were compromised. Uh, but, however, Shaw did place his wager against his team that he was playing for. Um, the bet did not win. The Bucks did not cover the spread in the second half, and Shaw lost. And now, for now, at least the foreseeable future is out of his job, too. I'm sure a lot of inquiring minds want to know, how did the NFL find out about Shaw's betting? So according to some gaming sources, the bet, Shaw placed his bet at a Caesars sportsbook in Las Vegas. When Caesars kind of figured out what had happened, they followed their protocol and quickly called Nevada Gaming Control Board and subsequently uh, the NFL. This is the same day, November 10th, that the bets were placed. Now, you know, Shaw was not trying to be secretive uh, about this. He was very transparent about who he was. In fact, on his application for a betting account with Caesars, he listed his occupation as professional football player welcome back to sports fans only with your boy keith johnson co-host sean mack and let's see what we're going to get into for this segment you know i have something that's a little interesting here uh suspended josh shaw bet against his own team the cardinals and lost so this story came out a few days ago and me and Keith spoke about it, and we determined that it was something of significance. It's, it's in sports. But I still can't wrap my mind around what do I want to talk about because we had Pete Rose. You had a couple other guys throughout sports through the years gambled. And it's frowned upon, but that was in the past. But it's always frowned upon betting against your own team or if you're on you're, you're actually a player betting against your own team or your own sport but the the way that we look at gambling as a society now in 2019 about to be two, 2020 is totally different it's not frowned upon we have shows that have betting we have a casino now on the east coast where you can bet for sports legally um so these people are just high-paid, high-priced bookies masquerading as fantasy owners, masquerading as, um, I don't know. What do you think about it, Keith? I'm a little shocked. My initial reaction is, so what? But the more you dig into this story, you actually see that he was betting on his own team. And you mentioned it earlier with our personal conversation, how many people actually he knew in high spots that he can tell valuable information to. So I don't want to steal your thunder. Keith, take it away. Yeah, I was, uh, me and Sean were talking earlier. I was explaining to him, you know, we were just conversating, you know, what, like, what's the big deal? How can that hurt? Especially, I don't know if you guys know, J Josh Shaw was on injury reserve since August. So he hasn't played at all. So this is a player who was betting on his team and other teams, but he had no direct impact. 
So at first we were like, well, what's really the problem? I could see if he was playing. But then I, what I said was, well, what's stopping a player if he – let's say he has financial issues. What's stopping him from dealing with a third party that has something to do with the opposing team that his team is playing? Now, remember, he's not playing. He's, he's on the sideline. What if he's selling plays to the other team? Or what if he recorded – so obviously this was a premedited, premeditated bet. So what if somebody was desperate enough to – another team offers us a, offers him 100000 You know, this game they need to get into the playoffs. They need to win this game. We'll give you 100000 Just give us some of the plays y'all got. Or, or, you know, give me give us some video so we can just study the video of the stuff that you run in practice. So I can see why the NFL frowns upon it, but they're almost talking out of two sides of their mouth when everywhere you look, it's uh, – what, what what are some of the names of these uh, gambling sites? Uh, man, they were um, just talking about it on the radio today. Um, you know, I can't think of any off top. Let me uh, – because that's because I don't dwell in it, but I do know you have um, – There's one, a really big one. Ah, what's the name of it? It's, uh, I forget because they actually had problems in New York not too long ago. Yeah, they're, well, they're all over their place. Well, anyway, people who listen to watch sports and stuff, you know what? I know you've heard the name of the, uh, the website on the radio and stuff like that, but – that NFL advertises that all the time. So is the NBA. Gambling is a huge part of what the NBA, NFL, and MLB does. So I don't know. Sometimes it's like, oh, you guys can do it and make money, but the players can't. Now, I understand the players are the ones that have the most impact on the game. But I argue that a front office person, well, they're, they're not allowed to bet neither. Nobody can bet. No. Nobody can bet. And, you know, I always wondered, especially in now, in today's time, where there's so many, so much paper trail, and, you know, if you go on a site and you use your credit card, like, that's it. If anybody decides they want to dig, you're done. Like, even if it's a family member or something. So I just don't get why people feel like they're going to get away with this when you're dealing with big money like that, Sean. Yeah. You know, a little, a little deeper on what you were saying about selling plays, telling people who's injured what this corner doesn't like. And I'm reading this right here. It says, Shaw reportedly placed bets on the second-half outcomes of three games, including on the Tampa Bay-Arizona game. The Buccaneers were leading the Cardinals 17-13 to at halftime and won the game 30-27, to fell in the cover to spread at one point, favorites after intermission, prompting Shaw to lose his parlay. The reason I read that is because Seems weird that he's betting the second half of games. Yeah, I know that is a weird that is a weird thing for a player to be doing. Seem like he would know if you're gonna bet, you just totally bet all all out, right? If you don't have information and you're just placing the bet, well, I'm gonna bet that this team's beat this team. They cover the spread on a parlay or whatever. But yeah. by him doing it and losing, it makes the losing makes me go, oh, maybe not. But the more you look at all three games he bet on was for the second and a half outcomes. We have a quote right here by Roger Goodell. If you work for the NFL in any capacity, you may not bet on NFL football. The commissioner Roger Goodell said in Friday's releasing release announcing the suspension. So we already know this, but it seemed like he is talking out of his neck and out of his behind because we spoke on this a few shows ago, how much money, 
in revenue do these gambling sites and fantasy football, which is a form of gambling if you're using any type of wager. How much does that bring in his pocket? So you don't want people betting that's part of your team, but you do want people to bet. So like you said, it could be a cousin. It could be an uncle. You know, so I'm just wondering why is this a story? Why was it a big story? Because it did run this table for a day and a half. But to me, everyone's a hypocrite. But one thing you can't do is have inside information. This is what Martha Stewart went to jail for. This is what people go to jail for on Wall Street. You cannot have inside information, then use it to your benefit. And that's well, something that we'll never be able to find out. Keep. Yeah, well, it, it, it puts in question the integrity of the, of the league because you just can't have players betting on – especially you can't have players betting – on the team they play for or they're currently playing for. That that just – the optics of that are just horrible when it comes to the fans. Because if you want the fans to come see your product, you can't have the your, your employees making it seem as if things might not all be legit. And that's going to push customers away, especially a, a franchise like Arizona who's been pretty horrible the last few years – you just don't need that. And it's just bad for the, the entire brand of the NFL. Now, um, this isn't the first time this has happened, like you said earlier in, in major sports. You got Pete Rose of baseball. You got the Black Sox, the White Sox scandal. I think they call it the Black Sox scandal, mm-hmm. which happened back, back in the 1800s with Shoeless Joe Jackson. If you remember um, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner, when the little ghosts come out of the, the cornfield, mm-hmm. well, that's based off of Shoeless Joe Jackson. And kind of a, a part of that movie is about how they were forced out of baseball because of the whole gambling thing. And as ghosts, they wanted to come back and play baseball so much they came to Kevin Costner's house, whatever. But, um, yeah, so Shoeless Joe Jackson and the whole White Sox thing during the World Series, if you didn't know, they, uh, they threw a couple of games because I think it was the Mafia had something to do with it. And, that, and, and also – Throwing uh, betting on stuff in boxing was always big too, where you have people throwing fights and stuff. But um, one one person you don't hear talked about much in sports history, and there's always been this rumor circulating around him, was that of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah. Now I don't know. Now I know. I'm sure you've heard the stories, right, Sean? Yeah. 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 Yes, sir. Yeah, so the, the the story goes, Michael Jordan is a notorious gambler. Now, if you follow Jordan or if you're old enough to remember uh, back in the 90s, he would even in between playoff games, like when he would play the Knicks, he would take off after games and go to Atlantic City, gamble all the way into the wee hours of the morning and then make it back for the walkthrough or the practice or whatever the next day to get ready for the next game. <clears throat> so. It's a fact he was a notorious gambler. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't know is, and this is just a rumor, and a lot of people believe it, is that the reason why Jordan was – the reason why Jordan so-called retired after they beat the Portland Trail Blazers, right? Is that – was that after that series? Uh, It went Lakers. Lakers. Phoenix. Lakers. No, Lakers, Trail Blazers, Phoenix. 
Okay, so it was at the Phoenix series. After the Phoenix series in the in the in the finals, uh, the Bulls won four to two in a seven game series. He shocked the world by saying he was going to retire from basketball because he just didn't have it in him to play anymore. This is right <laughs> around the time his father got killed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, rumors started coming out that his father might have gotten killed over some gambling debt that Jordan never paid. That was never confirmed. The the the, the circumstances behind his murder were, were real shady. But a lot of people are saying that because he was the face of the NBA, they did not want because the NBA was just becoming what the NBA is now today. That was it was in its infant stages where players were starting to get huge money and and big contracts and TV contracts and endorsements and all that stuff. They didn't want to ruin that, so they made him retire for a year, and then they said after a year you can come back. So it was like. They suspended him for a year for gambling because supposedly he was gambling on basketball. Now, everybody knows Jordan's a ridiculous competitor. So you don't think, right, Sean? You don't think that he would have. If, if Jordan was going to bet, he would bet 100% of the time, I'm going to kick your butt. So Exactly. I don't think it was really any, well, I'm going to play a little less this game. Don't put forth the great effort that I always do in the public know, which would be kind of obvious unless they said Jordan was sick. We would know if he wasn't shooting the ball right that something was up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it had, Jordan has it in him to to lose a game on purpose for money. I think he just loved to gamble, and he was like, I'm going to bet on myself every time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the extent. I just found something. This is actually funny. This guy actually – has become quite hilarious to me. Shaw, that is. Uh, All right. Caesars contacted Nevada State Gaming Control Board on November 10th and later alerted the NFL after learning Shaw had placed a wager. The report also stated that Shaw listed on a piece of paper for his job, professional football player. Wow. <laughs> as an occupation on a betting account. So wow. either this guy is stupid or he had no idea that it was illegal, which I might – how can I say this? I might know it's illegal, but I might say, okay, it's a chance that I've been injured. I have no effect on the game. Therefore, me placing this bet doesn't hurt anyone. But to hear that he put down on the betting account at the Caesars Nevada Casino, his occupation as professional football player to raise people's antennas on who he might be and what he might be up to is hilarious to me. I'm sorry. That's funny. Either he's a – excuse my language. I don't know if this offends anybody, but either he's a retard, and that might be the wrong word to use. I'm yeah, not that's hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> let's, let's use mentally challenged. Yeah, man. Either he's mentally challenged or the boy was high. He was smoking <laughs> some good smoke when he went up in there. I mean – He's got to be making at least – now, I don't know if he was a high draft pick or not, but even if he wasn't, if you're on a roster, you're making at least half a million dollars a year, right? That's safe to say, right? You're making yep. at least half, half a million a year. Why in the world would you risk that for whatever little bit of money you are going to win gambling? Like, I – Unless he was in debt, maybe he maybe he needed money. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, his circumstance, but 
Good Lord, how stupid can you be? It's hilarious. <laughs> I just don't understand these bas- football players, basketball. Like if I if I played if I play professional sports, there's no way. As much as when I was younger, I liked to party, you know, a little smoke, a little drinking, you know, I did things what teenagers did when I was younger. There's no way I would pick smoking weed over a multi-million dollar contract. No. I mean, I don't. I, it, it, so that and the gambling and the smacking of women and. Like, why do these dudes do this risking all generational money? Like, that's money that can take care of your your kids' kids, and you're messing it all up because of stupid stuff like this. It's just crazy. I've always known that marijuana could be quite – can be somewhat addicting. But the the Josh Gordon story actually led me to really understand there's some people out here that's actually strung out on weed. Yeah, definitely. Anytime you can – not want to participate in your job that pays you millions of dollars, especially Josh Gordon. If he, yeah, kept, if he kept doing what he was doing, he could have been one of the top five. Put it this way. If I'm not mistaken, his first two years were some of the top years of all time until Dell Beckham came. Yes, sir. Yes, they were. So he was on track to possibly become a top five of all time wide receiver and make some of the most money at that wide, rece- wide receiver position in the league for years to come. And he said, nope, I want to smoke weed. At, at, at some point, even if you have an addiction, at some point you got to come to that, you got to make a choice. You come to that crossroad and you're like, I'm going to put as many measures in my life to stop me from doing this. If I got to hire somebody to follow me around, you got to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you're going to pick that drug over. And that's basically what Josh Gordon, I, I have sympathy for addicts, but when you have all these people trying to help you and you're still out there smoking, you don't really want it. You just want to get high. And I think that's what Josh Gordon and even these other dudes, even with the gambling thing, yeah. you don't really want, you don't really want to play football. If you're out there gambling on your own team, at least have a case for yourself and gamble on teams that games that ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah. You gamble on your own team. Like to lose. Did he gamble for them to lose something? I don't think it says that, does it? Yeah. Yeah. One of the bets was for the, for them to lose. Yeah. You can't do that. No, you, you can't. can't that, that makes it seem like you know something other people don't know. Why would you bet on your own team to lose? Like in public, like I can understand yeah. you telling somebody else, but you can't now, do that. Now you know. Back to the weed, we do have to. And I'm, I'm not, I, have, I haven't asked you this question, but I, I can pretty much guarantee that you're on the side that I am. Um, the NFL, first of all, marijuana should not be an illegal substance in the NFL. No reason saying is the NFL. I found out a few years ago when they were talking about the concussions and other NFL former and NFL players of today were saying, well, do, do the public really know that when the game's over, we have a little care package in our locker room full of all type of inflammatories, all type of um, painkillers, which a lot of people get addicted to and die yeah. in society and on the field. So my question would be, 
Why do we care about the weed when it's not an enhancer? If anything, it's going to make you a little lazy, maybe some snacks. You want to eat during halftime. But it's okay to give people these drugs, which are the same drugs right now that's destroying America. Why is that a big problem? Smoke a little weed or actually take these pills that's given to me from a physician from the NFL that's given from the team. So which one is worse? I obviously know what you're going to say, but talk to me. All right. Well, I'll put it like this. First of all, uh, let me say this. It's all about the money. You follow the money and you will follow. You will find the reasons why people do things. So check this out. The NFL, obviously, is buying those drugs from some pharmaceutical company. They're, oh. you know, they're, put, they're putting money in somebody's pockets. Up until this point, now, I guarantee you this, I bet you those care packages, as soon as the laws pass, everywhere, just like with alcohol, where it's legal, I guarantee you those care packages will have it in there because you have some corporation making mad money. See, before... Nobody was made because uh, nobody was making money because the average person can grow it themselves. The government ain't getting no money. You know, it was almost like one of them substances. Like, and this is just my opinion that nobody of significance is making money off of it, so y'all can't have it. So, but but seeing now that you know we're 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 in the bed with these pharmaceutical companies, and you know they do things for us, we do things for them. Yeah, you can have all these drugs you want. They don't. They don't care about the players' health. That's mm-hmm. just my opinion. I'm not. You know. But I'm not in there. But isn't that just... prohibition again? Right? Because we go back. What created Al Capone? He he needed to. He saw that it was a gap. It was a a need for a space to be filled with alcohol because the government made it illegal. Exactly. The only yeah. reason they made it illegal was because, like you said, people was making their own moonshine. Rest in peace to my grandfather. I never got a chance to meet him, my mother, father. But he was a heavy bootlegger in Alabama, deep in the boondocks. I've heard stories about him. But he w- I digress on that issue. But he would have been frowned upon by the government because they're like, how dare you grow your own, sell your own, and don't tax it, and don't give us money? That's a mob move by yeah. them. Yeah, definitely. That's exact. They say the... They say the government, see, I don't want the government uh, listening in on us, but they say they're the biggest mob out of all of them. They're the biggest gang. I mean, they are. You know, what's that saying? Benny Siegel used to say in that movie, State Property, get down and lay down. And if you're doing things behind their back, they're going to frown upon that. And to me, that's the only reason. As soon as all these corporations start making major money off of it, they, the NFL is going to be one of the first places they sell their stuff to. And then the players will get it. Now, me, I'll be like, well, what happened to all the other players that got suspended and got kicked out of the league for smoking? Now y'all just going to give it to them? Yeah. You know, that that comes a whole nother bag of uh, bones because what about retro pay? You actually suspended me for something that two years later you made legal. I lost $600,000 for a couple of games. Can I have my money back? And some lawyer is going to definitely argue that. Good enough lawyer wins that case. I mean, and, and, and the thing I don't understand is uh, weed has been available for prescription for the longest. So it's like, I don't understand. Now, maybe those were owned by private, like little small little families or something like that. It wasn't a government. I know this. It wasn't gover- government ran like 
it would be if it became a federal thing where everybody gets to do it. Because I think even with beer and stuff like that, don't don't like federal people have to come in and check it and make sure it's up to up to grade and all that stuff. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure they do. So that's the same thing that happens with the weed now. The dispensaries, they send it off and the government checks it or whatever and and you know, they get the okay to sell it. So but yeah, man, I think it's uh it's sad that they just now get into that because a lot of football players like Rob Gronkowski, he said that he advocates for it. He was like, Man, I'd be hurting and see what's a CBD or oil? CBD yeah. or whatever. Yeah, he CBD. Said he said that's the only thing that helps his his aches and pains, so we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Once they find a way to legal once they find a way to tax it, well, fuck, at least twenty states already. Don't quote me on that. I think it's eighteen or twenty, whatever. It's legal. Yeah, I think it's eighteen. It's Which eighteen. It's amazing to me that I can be in one state, cross a line, get arrested for what I just had in that state, and it was legal. You know, we we need to unite our states for one law with certain things. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Things. Yeah, yeah. Definitely with certain things and marijuana being one because the the benefits far outweigh whatever negative concepts you might have had of marijuana. I think everybody sees that now. It's just funny that, you know, people have been screaming that forever and now they're just now saying it because they can make money off of it. Like I said, yeah. it's all about the money, man. Yeah, opioids are okay, and these companies where they where they're held liable in court maybe a few months ago, maybe two months ago, and they have to pay back so many billions of dollars because they were telling the doctors to prescribe it, push it, push it, push it, even if the patient didn't necessarily need it. Because they knew once he got hooked on it, there you go. Now, throughout history, I've Googled this before with my brother when we were younger while smoking. Um, yeah. Wasn't that young, but you know, Google <laughs> how many people have actually died off of marijuana? Nobody. Nobody. There's no confirmed cases of that. I, no, I think to be specific, you would have to smoke, I think it's a pound or two pounds of weed in one sitting to die from it. And that's impossible. You pass and, out before you do you, that. And that's exactly what they said. They were like, yeah. which would be highly unlikely. Because you would be comatose by then. Yeah, you got to pass out. You'd be done. <laughs> I always enjoy a little marijuana talk, especially when talking NFL, because such a interesting topic, especially now that they're considering changing the laws and stuff like that. They were screaming, you can't do it, you can't do it. And it's just going to be so funny to watch them completely change their tune and Everybody's gonna be smoking and eating edibles and all that, so, but it's good for them. I hope if it can if it can help the pain. I, I hope I hope everybody gets to do it. I really do. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, uh, we're about to head into some more music. Um, we're gonna play another clip from ESPN, and we'll be right back. All 
All right, it's Sean Mack back with the recap, looking at the Sunday night NFL matchup between the 10 and 1 New England Patriots versus the 7 and 4 Houston Texans. New England's Tom Brady was 24 47, 326 yards through the air, three touchdowns, and one interception. Most of his yards came in the fourth quarter. Running back James White had 14 carries, 79 yards. Sony Michelle rushed 10 times for 45 yards, no rushing touchdowns from that position. Wide receiver Julian Edelman led the team in yards with the 100. Six, six receptions and one touchdown. James White grabbed eight balls for 98 yards and two touchdowns. That guy should be a receiver. New England Patriots, 22. Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans had a beautiful game, 18-25, 234 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. And he had an average of nine yards per attempt. Not much action from the running game. Duke Johnson, nine carries, 36 yards, zero touchdowns. Carlos Hyde, 10 carries, 17 yards, zero touchdowns. Wide receiver Andre Hopkins was covered all night long. Not much of a game. Five catches, 64 yards, zero touchdowns. Kenny Still had three receptions for 61 yards and one touchdown. Running back Duke Johnson, five catches, 54 yards, one touchdown. Darren Fells, two grabs, one touchdown. Deshaun Watson even got into the mix with a little trick play. One catch, one touchdown. Houston Texans, 28. So on this wonderful, beautiful night for me, the Houston Texans beat the New England Patriots 28-22. Once again, it's Sean Mack back with the recap, and this is Sports Fans Only. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? I'd like to welcome to the stage the lyrically acclaimed. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase, he went from ashy to classy. I like that. So, everybody in the house, give a warm round of applause for the notorious BIT. The notorious BIT, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for him, y'all. A nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leaves. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh -huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh -huh. While niggas flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt and alligators. Uh -huh. You wanna see the inside? Huh. I see you later. They come the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh -huh. Wow! Why you punch me in my face? Stay in your place. Play your position. Uh -huh. Here come my intuition. Uh -huh. Go in this nigga pocket. Rob him while his friends watch it. That hoes clock it. Uh -huh. Here comes respect. His crew's your crew, or they might be next. Look at they man, I, big man, they never try. So we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean, loyalty. Niggas bought me milks at lunch. The milks with chocolate, the cookies, run a crunch. Ain't it? Oscars and blue and white duck. Ask Like total, getting larger and wasting taste. Ain't no telling where the spelling is heading. 
just in case. Keep a shell at the tip of your melon, clear the space. Your brain was a terrible thing to waste. 88 on gates, snatch initial nameplates, smoke your splits with niggas. Real life, begin the killers, praying God forgive us for being sinners. Help us out. Enterprise and I ain't have to be in school by 10. I then began to encounter with my counterparts on how to burn the block apart. Break it down into sections. Drugs by these selections. Some use pipes, others use injections. Syringe sold separately. Frank the deputy. Took the damn my Smith and Wesson like my dick was missing. To protect my position, my corner, my layer. While we out here, say the hustler's prayer. If the game shakes me or breaks me, I hope it makes me a better man. Take a better stand. Put money in my mom's hand. Get my daughter this college plan so she don't need no man. Stay far from timid. Only make moves when your heart's in it. And live the phrase, sky's the limit. Motherfucker. See you chumps on top. To this day, boo, no frontin'. Even when the skies were gray, you would rub me on my back and say, maybe it'll be okay. Now that's real to a brother like me, baby. Never ever get my cootie away and keep it tight, alright? And I'ma walk these doors so we can live in a fat ass crib with thousands of kids. Well, life, you don't need a ring to be my wife. Just be there for me and I'ma make sure we be living in the effing lap of luxury. I'm realizing that you didn't have to fuck with me, but you did. Now I'm going all out, kid, and I got mad love to give you, my nigga.
The Baltimore Ravens with that touchdown from the 34. Another play fake and run this time. Jackson right side makes a guy miss on a great juke out at the 30. Richard Sherman pushes him out of bounds at the 27-yard line. Sherman pushed him out. K1 Williams forced him out to that edge. A seven-yard gain for Lamar Jackson. Backs up on third and goal at the one. It's a play fake. Jackson finds the crease and gets in. Another touchdown for Lamar Jackson. This one from a yard out. His 32nd touchdown of the season, running and passing. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Fans Only. We didn't get a chance to touch on the Ravens and San Francisco 49ers game, so we want to touch on that a little bit. Um, the Baltimore Ravens won 20-17 behind a, I would say a, it was a great effort by Lamar Jackson, but passing-wise, and this is what I was telling you before, I don't know if he can keep this running thing up. He has 16 carries for 101 yards, but he only threw for 105 yards. This style of play, I, I want to know from you, Sean, is this mm -hmm. style of play sustainable? Will he be able to do this for a long period of time, or is this one of those lightning in a bottle, and for two or three years he's going to tear the league up and then he's going to get hurt. I believe he can. But let me preface why I believe he can. Not every game he's going to be playing that defense. That defense is great. So yeah, is. with that being said, if he's going to get hit running, most likely it won't be out the pocket. It's going to be one of those where he scrambled. He doesn't see the blind side, a la Joe Montana. Out and he'll be out. But the, as far as the 100 yards rushing and the 100 yards passing, it's pretty dope, though. He took what they gave him. Unlike Jimmy G, he was looking good. And he took what they gave him. But it just seemed like Lamar had a little bit more help on offense out there. Now, that Ravens defense looked a little suspect at times, which we never – no one actually said that they're the best defense in the league, right? It would be – New England, then possibly San Francisco, then maybe someone else in Baltimore, maybe Baltimore third, not sure. I'll have to take a look and see at some defensive rankings. But Lamar looked good. The team looked good. And remember I talked last week, uh, a week before, about it looks like that team is ready for the cold weather to go to Foxborough. You can't tell me they didn't look like they were ready for That looked like a playoff game. No, it did look like a playoff game, and – Suck thing for the Patriots is now that Baltimore, they're the number one seed now. So yeah, they're, they're not going to have to go. They're not going to have to go anywhere if they run the table. And us going to there is just, that's not, I, I have no faith in us beating them. Or, you know what? I have no faith in us stopping him. I'm, I don't, I'm not scared of their team whatsoever. It's him. He's the one I'm scared of. And I don't think the Patriots. They have the, the athletes, but I just don't know if their scheme is going to be able to stop them. But you're right. It's dope that he threw 400 and ran 400. I just, like I said, I could see something like this going on for because for a couple of years because usually the NFL, they catch up. Like, remember the Wildcat yeah. for a while? Because so, Lamar Jackson, he's not the first. I don't think he's any faster than Michael Vick. Now, he's bigger than Michael Vick, but as far as being fast and – making people look stupid, he's not the first one. And people caught up to Michael Vick. Well, actually, Michael Vick started getting hurt. That's what happened with him. Mm -hmm. But you know what scares me with Lamar Jackson when he's running and he does these amazing 
like these spins and he'd be jumping over people and it looks great, but all it takes is that one like he'll spin like blindly, like but it looks crazy when he does it. It looks like a ballerina. He spins so quick. But he spins kind of blindly. When I say that, he spins not knowing who's on the other side of that spin. He just does it to get away from that guy. I don't want to see him get – because he's such a great player. I almost wish he was in the NFC so I can root for him more. But he's in the AFC, so I can't really root for him like I want to. I just don't want to see him get hurt. But maybe he won't. Maybe he might be that that one guy who goes through his whole career – because like you said, maybe he does know when to pass and, and not run all the time. So we'll see. I guess that's something we're just going to have to see. Yeah, he's a passer of the ball. He's definitely – he reminds me of Young, Steve Young. People might can't remember him. Lamar's right. Steve was left-handed. But it became a point where Steve Young would run, and he would run wildly. But he ran when he had to, and he knew when to run. And number one, he knew how to get down from the run. That's the number one thing. RG3, Robert Griffin III, would still be playing if he knew how to slide and get out of bounds or when to give up. You're right about that. Uh, Russell Wilson's another one who knows how to get down. He's playing right now. He he slides so quick, but he gets his yards. But then he slides. If somebody gets around him, he slides. For whatever reason, RG3 didn't learn that and – a year and a half, it's all it took for him to destroy his career. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Well, he, I haven't seen him take a big shot yet. So maybe that's a good thing. I haven't seen him get hit hard yet. So definitely not wishing wishing that on nobody. So I hope he does stay healthy because, one, he's black. I love all black quarter. I'm a black guy, and it's not like I'm biased towards anybody. I just like to see people who haven't been able to showcase their talents in the past because of skin color and stuff like that. I like to see them shine because they're getting the opportunity now. So I'm rooting for him, but I just hope he doesn't get hurt. That's all. You know, speaking of shining, I have to say, I knew nothing of this guy I'm about to speak on. And he stood out, popped out off of my TV. And it was amazing. We've actually found someone great. I have to call it right now. I think if he stay healthy, this guy's going to be great. And he's going to be the predecessor from Rice to, to Terrell Owens. We had a, sprinkled in a few more people, if you could think of some, that was at the 49ers. But Debo Samuel, that guy plays out of his mind. He's yeah, gonna, he's a beast. He's going he's to make people double-team him soon. And if not, he's going to burn up the league. I mean, this guy's nice. He's nice. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, yeah, he's, imagine if y'all had him, Kay. Uh, do you know what round he got drafted in? I don't. I don't. I don't. But it wasn't the first round. It could, because I. It definitely wasn't the first round because I've never even heard this dude ever in my life. Even when the draft was coming up and they went to the combine and stuff like that, he wasn't in those that top echelon of wide receivers coming out. So that makes me think, once again, this goes back to what I was saying. The Patriots are horrible at drafting wide receivers. They just absolutely horrible. And we he would be perfect. He's fast. He's a deep threat. And I get jealous. And I know Garoppolo's loving him because those dudes are hooking up every single game, it seems like. Okay. I have to challenge you a little bit there. 
I know it's your team and you know 100% more about them than I ever could dream of knowing. But uh-huh. I don't think they draft. I don't think it's a problem with them drafting, drafting receivers. I think look at y'all Super Bowl wins. If there was a decent receiver on that team, he left for contracts the next year. Belichick feel he doesn't need one. In the year y'all did have Randy, y'all ran the table until the last game. So in his mind, if I'm Belichick, I'm looking like, damn, I can make these choices with, with little fillerins, with little Wes Welkers, with little Edelmans. I can make little Deion Branches. When I say little, all these guys were little compared to most football players. That, that That's true, but all those players you named, except for Deion Branch, who I said was our last good draft pick receiver, all those guys were 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 um, free agents. Edelman. Now, what my my original statement was: we've we've never drafted a really good outside of Deion Branch, and I'm not going before him because Troy Brown was already there. Terry Glenn came in the previous people who owned the Patriots or or the before Belichick. So I, I didn't count Terry Glenn or Troy Brown. So Deion Branch is one that Belichick drafted. Edelman wasn't – I was saying them drafting receivers from college and they were receive- – Edelman was a quarterback who just happened they, they changed him into a receiver. So that's the only reason why I don't mention him. And outside of that, everybody else is a free agent basically. We got a yeah. lot of – Dante Stallworth we had, Randy Moss, um, uh, who else? There's a – Ocho Cinco came in for a while, Wes Welker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a few others, but I, I, I don't understand their scouting department. Like Pittsburgh, for instance. See, like, right? They get a, they had Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, who's that Brian kid who got kicked out of the league for smoking too much weed? I think he went to Oakland. Martell, Martell Bryant or something like that. Yeah. They had, so. uh, Mike Wallace, Plexico Burris, um, Heinz uh, uh, Ward, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can go down the line of how many great receivers they have. Patriots just uh, – I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk about them. No more. Yeah, I don't know how we hop back on the Patriots. Yeah. That's a lie. But uh, yeah. we, we were speaking on Debo. And with a name like yes. Debo, I'm pretty sure what you said is 100% right. He couldn't be drafted in the first round because that name would have stuck out to us. Or maybe Definitely. he just went to San Francisco and we didn't care about who San Francisco picked because at that time they were in the building process of the last, like, off of Kaepernick years, so we didn't pay much attention to him. So he could have been a fir- a late first-round draft pick. But even with that being said, no one was talking about him. This guy's going to be amazing. Definitely probably going to be a pro bowler this year. And uh, we'll see what he do next week against my Saints. Whole nother subject. Yeah, hold that. That's a whole nother subject. And um, before we get to that, though, real quick, they even have a running back last night. I have no idea who he is. His last name is Mostert. Uh, R. Mostert. He had 19 carries for 146 yards for the for the 49ers. Have no idea who he is either. So maybe it's like you said. Maybe they just they were so horrible for so long. People just didn't even pay attention to anything they were doing. All the while they're sitting there collecting talent because mm-hmm. they look good. It almost felt like if they were in a neutral field and it wasn't the 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 rain wasn't coming down or the snow or whatever it was. I almost feel like they probably would have beat them. But because they were home, because the weather was bad, <clears throat> Baltimore pulled it out. But 
I'm, we'll I'm see. with you. I'm with you. I think San Francisco might have pulled that off, but you know, you always have to look at it uh from the other side of the coin. Then Baltimore probably would have been playing a little bit better. They would probably been throwing the ball a little bit more, but it definitely would have made for a great ma- matchup. Question Do you think this is the Super Bowl preview this year? At this point right now, now I see the NFC so tough. I could see Green Bay beating San Francisco. Not not saying that they will, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. Because, you know, Green Bay, you get them on the right day, them dudes is hard to stop too, and their defense is pretty decent. Um, who else? New Orleans. I mean, yeah. I could see New Orleans beating San Francisco too. And The guy who's playing I, tonight, I could see Russell Wilson beating them. Russell Will, even Minnesota. I could see Minnesota possibly beating them if, if you know, if all things go right. For like talent for talent, I think Minnesota's just as good as uh, – think about it. They got Diggs. They got yeah. Cook as running back. Yeah. They got Thielen as receiver. They got a nice team. Their defense is good. So, I don't know. I, if I had to pick right now, I would you say yes. To. You have to. Yes, I would say yes. I don't see nobody – now, I will say this. San Francisco did something most teams didn't do against the Ravens. They played zone all night. And mm. and they're usually a man team. They went zone on them, and they definitely slowed their passing attack down. Now, when you run zone, if they decide to run on you, you know, you got to live with what you got to live with. But I think that's the blueprint to trying to slow down Baltimore. You run zone, and you make Lamar Jackson have to sit in the pocket Make sure he doesn't break. They didn't do a good job of that. He still got out the pocket. But if you could keep him in that pocket and, and do a little zone, that's the best way. That's the best way to beat him, in my opinion. Now, but yes, I'll answer my. I'll answer the question too as well. I say no because of a little bias. But just hear me <laughs> out. If you have, we're both at ten and two now, right? Yeah. All right. We play them next week. Yeah. We beat them. We went out. They come to the dome. You know they're not going to beat us in the dome. Nope. Not Jimmy think G. Jimmy, the defense. Nah, that's man. what I'm saying. Jimmy, Jimmy G is too sporadic right now. He's not consistent. So I could see him throwing a couple picks, a little fumble, you know, getting sat, a strip fumble, something like that. I could see that happening all day. And yeah. they better win that game. They better bring New Orleans. Because on the flip side, New Orleans isn't the same team. When they go on the road in the playoffs, neither. When no. they got to go out there on the road. So, I know both teams, <laughs> they really want to win this next game. But um, we are going to be right back. We got some mellow we want to talk about. But first, we get in, before we get into some mellow, we want to play this clip, this interview of his. And when we come back, we're going to speak on mellow and uh, a couple of more topics before we head out of here. Be right back. Can't really explain it. 
I'm so into you now I wanna be more than a friend of you now When they ask, I mention my baby girl In the interviews now And I don't bring the problems from the 90s and the 2000s There's no reason to have a friend or two now Cause the kid's ready to tell you how he feel In a few vows, maybe I speak in general now But girl, I'ma do whatever just to keep a grin on you now Where I go, they wear bikinis in the winter too now What you think about, tan lines on the skin of you now Why wouldn't I wanna spend a few thou On Fifth Ave, shopping sprees, and them dinners to chow I ain't concerned with other men would do now As long as when I slide up in you, you growl And any dude with you, he better be a kin of you now And I ain't jealous, it's the principle now I'm so into you And I make sure every quarter be cashing I can't really explain My friends be thinking I'm slipping These girls be thinking I'm tripping What kind of weed you be smoking? What type of drinks you be sipping? Sweet thing, just to think of you dipping What had me with the blues so hard You would think I was crippin' You relaxing in the bins Credit cards with no limits So you don't worry about maxing when you spend But since you've been asking about the friends How'd you like it if both our names had Jackson on the ends? My smile, no matter how chip my tooth is with you, it ain't because my whips is ruthless. So sit on chrome, dipped up deuces, and you ain't flattered by canary and VS dip taste. Cover ballers look dumb when they press you. Fives and sixes, you don't let them kind of numbers impress you. Even though I was somewhat successful, me and a player was becoming too stressful. But ever since the superwoman has come to my rescue, my winter's been wonderful, and my summer's been special. Well, let's fly the same bar while the villa be painted, just so we can get really. The love is real, there's no way it can feel like it's tainted But I can't really explain it, uh, yeah
So Carmelo Anthony wins player of the week for the first time since 2014. That man's balling right now. And I, I, I know he's turned a lot of heads. And I know a lot of GMs got to be sitting around wondering, like, why didn't we pick him up? Why didn't they pick him up, Sean? You tell me why nobody else picked him up besides Portland. I, well, Portland picked him up because they, it was out of necessity, right? So if, I'm going to say this. I say that no one else picked him up because Melo hadn't really shown he was willing to stop wanting to be a 20 point, 25, 30 points a night score in the NBA. All reports were coming out that he he wanted to continue to be a number one star, a number one option, when in actuality, if you put him on any good team that have two good players that are younger than him, he's going to be a third or fourth option. Just so happened he goes to Portland, and they actually do need a second, third type of option. And he's he's doing well. He's killing it right now. I'm pr- I like Melo. He's one of the – with our age, what, yeah – yeah, Colby. You had uh, well, who came in with Melo? Yeah, Melo, Wade, LeBron, LeBron right? Yeah. Three. Yeah. Wade's retired with rings. LeBron's safe to say he's going to retire in a few years with yeah. ring. Possibly people arguing that he's the goat, not I. But Melo has nothing. He was just a great international player. He was a scorer. He could fit into any generation of scores. So if you bring up Michael Jordan, you think of some great scores. Clyde Drexler. Um, I don't know. Carl Malone. Just people who can put up, fill the stat sheet every night, but has nothing to show for it. And you're still trying to do that in your twilight years, and you think you are something you're not, that's going to deter people from wanting you on a team because you're not passing the ball. You're not rebounding. You're pretty much just going to be a uh, – a killer of momentum. That's my opinion. Yeah, he uh let's see, he's averaging 17.7 points, 6.6 rebounds, and two assists in 30 minutes. He's shooting 46% from the field and 37% from three-point range. I have no idea why LeBron James didn't convince the Lakers to bring if Melo was on the Lakers right now, I would be saying it's over. I'd be if he was playing like this for the Lakers coming off the bench, I'd be like it's over. The Lakers are going to win a, a championship. They could have right there in their lap. I don't understand. Even teams like, well, Houston already had them, but like Milwaukee or or there's so many teams that can use that 17. Think about that. 17.7 points per game and nobody wanted him until somebody like was down a player and they just needed to fill a roster spot with a with an NBA veteran. I I don't understand it. I always loved Melo. I always thought he played hard. I think he got a bad rap. Should have never went to the Knicks. I think that was his first mistake. Even though they had a good thing going with Amari, when Amari was there, he kind of made some noise the year before Melo got there. But as soon as Melo got there, Amari started getting hurt, and it was just never what they thought it was going to be. Well, originally, he didn't want to go there. He His pick was... The Nets, but what was it? Yeah, Denver traded him to the Knicks. Oh, that's right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So you're saying he? I didn't. I never knew that. You're, yeah. So you're saying he? He his his 
He wanted to go play with Jason Kidnam. The, yep, the original quote and statement that he released back then, which was years ago now, it leaves my mind. I forget how long. It was he wanted to go to the Nets. Either he could wait and leave and they get nothing or they can trade him. So he tried to force their hand, but they said, okay, we'll give you kind of half of what you wanted. We're going to trade you to New York, but it won't be the Knicks, the Nets. It's going to be the Knicks. So he, so, he he liked it because Lala liked it. It still was close to New York. I mean, it still was in New York, and it was close to all the things she wanted to do as an aspiring actress. That's quote, unquote. Um, but those years at the Knicks, what that's what gave him the bad rap, right? That's what you're saying. Like being there, like, yeah. you know, he's putting up so many points, seemed like he's not caring about winning. He realized he was in a situation where he couldn't win. Management wasn't bringing in people for him to win, to reach his goal of at least making it to a conference finals. So he was like, I'm about to just put up points for my legacy and for my Hall of Fame shrine, which I understand. But he's a team player because, like you said, when we spoke about Melo, I don't know, a few shows ago, the, the guy was great in international play. I mean, he's been great everywhere. Everywhere he's been except he was great in Denver. <clears throat> he was great everywhere except for, excuse me, <clears throat> except for New York, basically. And one could argue he was great in New York. It's just that the pieces around him, let's face it, Amari never, after his first year in New York, well, I think he got traded there too, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he didn't. I know his first year he tore, he was averaging like 30, like for a span there he was averaging 30-something a game, and everybody was saying, oh, if we could just get mellow. And people were really talking about that because I remember when talks started to heat up about trading for mellow, people were like, you add him with Amari and the other pieces they have, you could you could have a dynasty, but it just never materialized. It just <clears> – I don't want to blame him, but when you hear stories about he was more happy with scoring 30 points, and if they lost – it was no big deal, but if wait, they won, wait, and he only scored. Who put that out? I heard that from Billups, right? Chauncey Billups said that, right? Chauncey Billups, yep. Chauncey Billups definitely said that. <clears throat> he said if they won, and he only scored eighteen or twenty or twenty-two, he'd have an attitude and he'd be pissed off. Now I don't know how true that is. I can only go by Billups. Don't seem like the type of dude that would lie no, about that. No, no. I can, I'm willing to put my money on Billups on that one, baby. Yeah, and uh, whether or not he should have said that on national TV, because I'm pretty sure once he said that, you probably had some GMs like, well, I don't want that on my team, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, he's he works for the media now, so you can't really blame him. But and I it, think, uh huh. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. And it would have been different if uh, maybe he had that mentality and still could produce, right? But yeah. you can't have that mentality. At that age. And you know, one thing he never became to me was a. It's good to look for your shot, but Kobe made people better by scoring and putting them in position to be there for certain shots. He never was really a good. What's the word I'm looking for, Keith? Like a set upper of players. He never would set up his teammates quite right. Well, he didn't. Well, he didn't. He didn't make his team better. He didn't make his teammates better like 
Kobe did. Now I always say Kobe's not a LeBron in the sense that no, the assists no, and all that, but he still he still demanded that you be where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to be doing. So in that sense, he was he still helped his teammates. I don't like giving Kobe too much credit, so you ain't gonna get this too much from. Him. I was about but, to pass out over here, like what? <laughs> but yeah, I I still recognize basketball. So Kobe he did it in a different way, and LeBron did it his own way. But Melo never really seemed like he even cared as long as he got his thirty points. It almost seemed like the, the outcome was didn't really matter. Like that's what it felt like. Now I could be wrong, but. His body language and what you hear from other players makes me think that's exactly how it was. Now, now imagine hitting the court and you know the star of your team. You could be good or you could be great, but you know he's the star because he demands that respect. But imagine knowing that your star doesn't really even care if we win or not. He just want to put up his numbers. Like, oh, that's, that's I don't really know one work. person that I don't know one person in any sports, any athlete that that was said about or that we knew and they actually won things. You know who else had that same mentality? And I heard him say it out of his own mouth on TV. Who's that? Charles Barkley. I could see it. I right? could definitely see it. Yeah, you're right. That's crazy because – and what's the common thing between – now, although he still almost brought the Suns to a championship against Jordan, but I could see that, though <laughs> – Barkley didn't really seem like he cared too much about anybody else. No. <laughs> Same thing with Melo. It just feels like they care about what they got going on and everything else is kind of secondary. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Melo getting on somebody on the court outside of, like, give me the ball? Like, I've never seen him, like, demand his teammates be great. Like, no. you know. I've seen, like, him, you know. I've seen him drive, kick the ball turn it over, and then tell a guy, you should have been in that damn spot. Come come on now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. And sometimes that leadership role, that's not reserved for everybody. He just doesn't – he needs to be on a team with a LeBron or with a Kobe or with a, uh, you know, even a Damon Lillard. Because I bet you he went over there, Damon Lillard, it's my team. You know, you're either going to fall in line or, you know, you won't be here. And Dame Lillard don't seem like he played that. Even though he's a smaller dude, he seemed like the type of dude that he bought that Miller. Yeah, yeah, definitely bought it, but definitely bought his business. Definitely. You know, I'm gonna but say I'm, one name, and it's gonna. It might be hard for you to originally, like you know, get your head around why I'm saying this name, but I'm going to the pure sheer will to wanna be a certain thing and do it. Dennis Rodman. Not sure if you were into sports. Like basketball, because I know you're a heavy baseball fan, especially when we were kids. Yeah. Um, around 86, 87, 88, Dennis Rodman could actually average almost 15 points, right? And uh-huh. give you about 18 rebounds. But he realized, no, about, I say he'd give you 15 and 12 to be safe his first couple years. Uh-huh. De- Dennis Rodman could actually score the ball when he was at the Pistons. I mean, score the ball. You give it to him on the wing, he had a little worthy game, you know? Give it to him on yeah. the break, he get the layup, he make the right pass. He used to get the rebound and put it back up. But yeah. he decided that I have so many great guys around me, 
why can't I just excel in the things that I really know I can do well as far as rebounding, defense, rebounding, defense. And he became a Hall of Famer. Now, I'm not comparing Melo with Dennis Rodman, but if Carmelo would have taken 30% of what Dennis Rodman did as far as changing your game and working on what really works for you, and you can't just say scoring works for me, right? Everybody in the NBA think they can score. In actuality, they can. They were stars yeah. in high school and stars in college. But yeah. he needed to look at it and say, wait a minute, I got a big butt. I'm 6'8". I can rebound more. You know what? I can back you down and when the double team come, instead of spinning spinning opposite way or baseline and trying to score, actually, if it's two men on me, let me just do that. Two, and then you got one. Wait a minute. Wait. This is simple. Wait, I'm doing great math. Someone else is open. Pass the ball. And that's what got me frustrated with Melo being that I love this guy coming out of Syracuse. I loved everything about him. I actually had cornrows because of Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And as you were saying that, I was sitting here thinking about Barkley. I'm like, well, you know what? That's not fair to Barkley because I'll say one thing about Barkley, and this never happened with Melo. Barkley's game evolved from the time he got into the NBA until the time when he was with the Houston Rockets. And in between that time, his game continued to evolve. So where, whereas he almost didn't really care about what other players, you know, he was kind of all about himself. He still made, especially when he was with Phoenix, he made his other teammates better. Like, cause he averaged a lot of assists. He, you know, he, he became a three point shooter. He became more of a person that, what, was he like a point forward for a little bit there? He was yeah, bringing yeah, the ball. Yeah, up. he was running that point forward. Yep, yep. So, so he he his game evolved. Melo's game never evolved. He was no. always a great scorer, but that was it. His three point shot never got better. It was always good, but it never got better. His just he just he he was stubborn that way. He just didn't want to change. I think he, he got humbled. That's what I think happened. Well, it's, it's kind of easy to get humbled when you realize. If I miss this year, no one's going to get me the second year. Then I'm nearing 40. Yep. Right? Yeah, you're I'm, right. If I'm nearing 40 years old, no one's going to want me, and I'm going to be out fast. And I still don't think he capitulated. I still don't think he did. I think they just needed him that bad to where they were like, they sat him down and was like, yo, could you give us 20-something minutes? Yeah. Could you give us 20 minutes and maybe only 12 shots a game? Yeah, probably. All right. Of those 12 shots, you might just average 19 points to 17, 17 and 19. Okay, I could deal with that. He had to because what else is going to happen? And he still get the score. You see the first couple games, how they're feeding him the ball, how they want him to be a player again. They want him to be a star. He see it. You can see it on his face. He was happy. He's like, oh, well, man, I'm so happy. Well, he fell into the perfect spot. And like you said, it's because of injuries and the uh, the injuries is the only thing that's allowing him to shoot the ball this much. Because if that other dude was back, well, they probably would have never got him. So it was just by luck or by well, – I'm not even going to call it luck. Maybe he's just blessed to get a second chance. But, you know, I'm glad. The, the NBA is better with Melo in it. And I think that makes Portland better. I haven't really been following them. I don't know if they're – record-wise, are they doing better than they were doing before uh... he got there? I think about the same because they did they did they had a little dip off once the guy got hurt, but um they're doing well. But you know, Carmelo, we have pretty much a little bit more than half a season to see what keep an eye on him, see what he's gonna do. 
but uh, I know that you want to talk about something of uh, somewhat of something that's happening locally here around our town with a young man who grew up in Norwalk. Share that story with us, Keith. Yeah, sure. Um, if you guys don't know, there is a kid by the name of Stephen Enoch. Enoch spelled E N as in Nancy O C H. Stephen Enoch. So he grew up in uh, Norwalk. It's actually my, I don't even think you know this, Sean. He's my daughter's godbrother. I so, did. Yeah, that's, you know, she has pictures of him on Facebook. She went up to his games when he came up to Boston College because, you know, they're both in the ACC, Louisville and Boston College. She went up to a game up there once. She went to, went to a game when he was at UConn. So he, so this is his story. He didn't really play basketball in middle school. Started playing basketball around the eighth grade. Wasn't that great of a player. Nobody really had him on their radar. He was about 6'4", something like that, in his freshman year. Within a year, this dude shot up to like 6'10". So he was a sophomore, 6'10". Wow. Very, very green as far as being a basketball player. He, But within a year, he went, to, he went from averaging on the freshman team, like maybe eight points a game. Then he went to his first year on varsity. Once he grew that tall, he started averaging about 13, 14 points a game. Started to catch the eyes of some people because, you know, they say you can't teach size. So you're six foot ten. You got any type of skill. Division one schools will come calling. So he went to private school in upstate Connecticut. From there, he went to UConn when Kevin Ali was there. Um, he transferred to Louisville. So he's been in the last three years. He was there through the whole Rick Pitino thing. <clears throat> and so now he's the starting center for the Louisville Cardinals. He's averaging 10.9 points a game. 7.9 rebounds and one assist. He's shooting 55%. So I just want everybody to keep an eye out on him. He's uh okay. What, actually, what high school did he go to in Norwalk? He went to Norwalk High for he one went the high? He went there. Yeah, he went there for two years. His senior year, he went to uh I think it was Kent Kent Prep or something like that up in uh upstate Connecticut. He went they, there for one they year. They start to notice him. When you go to that prep school and that local, yep. you know, they start to notice you. Yeah. Yep. He went there, averaged about 18 points with, like, the best kids, all of Connecticut and New York, because there's kids from all over that go to that school. So he, still, he averaged 18 points there his one year, and they offered him a full scholarship to UConn. And obviously, Kevin Ollie didn't know what to do with him. Because if you go online and you go to YouTube and you pull up this dude's Highlight reel, you'd be like, what was UConn thinking about? But mm. they, they let him go, and uh, Louisville has him now, and they're the number one. He's a starting center for the number one team in the country. So I just wanted uh, all the listeners from Connecticut who didn't know about this kid, um, I'm letting you know now. Start following him. He's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. What's his name um, again? Steven Enoch. His last name, E-N-N is in Nancy, O-C-H. Stephen Enoch. I keep an eye. Yeah, so I knew a little about him, but I didn't know much. But I'm definitely going to keep an eye now. Yeah, keep keep an eye on him. And I'm telling you, the kid's going to go to NBA. He he was playing in the league over overseas. You know, one of those uh, amateur, not amateur, like a semi pro over somewhere over there. But dude was averaging thirty points a game over there. So that's killing. Definitely, him. yeah. And he's and he shoots like thirty some percent from the three point line. So I could I could be playing with. I could be playing with 10-year-olds, 10, 10 and if I average 30 points or something, no matter what you at, 30 points and 30 points. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, and before we get out of here, tell the audience who your cousin is who used to play in the NBA. Oh, Eldridge Rikasner. He uh, played with the Sycamore Kings of the CBA for about five years, maybe six years, won MVP twice. He was drafted to Houston Rockets the year after their second championship, and he also played with um, the Hornets. Yeah, I remember was, that. That would have been the Bobby Phil years. He was there when Bobby died in the car accident. Yeah. Uh, and he also was best friends with Derek Coleman, and he ended his – years with the Clippers when I asked them how was that experience actually when it happened years ago decade like a decade ago or so he told me that Diane Sterling was horrible and playing for the Clippers was pretty horrible yep I know everybody remembers Donald Donald Sterling right that's That's before everybody knew what was going on with them that's when people were going through it and they would report it and people be like whatever but you know every dog have his day what they say the bulldog has too so (sighs) You know, that's my cause. One day I'm going to get him on here to talk. Hopefully Washington do well this year in college basketball because he's still – actually, he was just um, maybe two years, three years ago. You pull it up on YouTube, Aldrich Rick Hasner. He was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame of Washington Washington basketball. So the Huskies. Uh, who else played for the Huskies? You have Roy played for the Huskies. You had uh, Nate Robinson played for the Huskies. But no matter who was the best guy that played for the Huskies, just get Isaiah Thomas played for the Huskies. Yeah, Isaiah uh, Thomas, yeah. Who can't shoot? The guy, Markel Fultz, played for the Huskies. Yep. Yeah, and that's right. A lot of talent come out of there. After, out of all those guys, none of them still hold the records that my cousin held at the uh, University of Washington. So I'll get him for sure because we talk sparingly, but he's always talking to his uncle, his aunt, which is my mother, my father. So I stay in contact with him. Tournament time, he'll definitely want to talk if Washington's doing well. But we'll get him on for at least five quick minutes with my cousin, Eldridge Rikasner, a.k.a. Nookie. Yeah, I remember him as a three. He was a three-point shooter, right? Yeah, three-point shooter. Yeah, I remember I remember the name. Before I even knew he was your cousin, I remember him. Uh, I mostly remember him from Charlotte. But, yeah. Um, Wait, can I yeah, tell I rem- a quick story? Yeah, go ahead. All right, they had the game. All right. No, no, no. He played. He went to the, yeah, he went to the um, Clippers. No, no, he was he went to Houston. But most people probably would know him from the years he played four years, three years and a half with the Atlanta Hawks, the Mookie Blaylock, oh, right. the Stephen Smith, the Dikembe yep. Mutombo that year. So go on to your left if you're watching the screen TV, go on to your left. He pulled up on Jordan, hit a jump shot. Wow, right in Jordan's face. So, all right. He played a little decent D on Jordan. Jordan wasn't paying attention. He come back down. Whack, another three, a three-pointer. Five quick points in Jordan's face, all right? Jordan messes around, not whatever. Didn't really score that, you know, this possession. Come back down. Nookie hit him with another three. Whack, nine threes in a row. I mean, nine points in a row within, like, a couple minutes. So, I, someone gets fouled. I could see my cousin laughing. I'm mesmerized right now. I'm like, oh, my God, this is my cousin talking to Jordan. Jordan whispered something to him. So when he came by the house that summer, I said, look, the game was great. What did Jordan whisper to you? First thing I asked him when he walked in the door, he said he looked at me, and he said, that's enough of that shit, Rick Hasner. You're done. I was like, did you score any more that game? I can't remember. He was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's a great story. Right. That's, yeah, we de- you definitely got to get him because I'm sure he got many stories like that, and I'm sure everybody would love to hear him. So, yeah, you, you got to work on that for me, man. I will. I'm a, what I'm going to do is get moms on the deal. He can't tell my moms, no. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, you got to get her involved so we can get him for sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, man, we're glad you guys stopped in here with us today. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for another show, um, another action-packed show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. This is Sports Fans Only. This is Keith Johnson and Sean Matt. You guys take care, and we will see you on Thursday. Peace. Peace. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind I hear my conscience call Telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove For the first time in my life, I see I need love There I was, giggling about the games that I had played with many hearts And I'm not saying no names Then the thought occurred, teardrops made my eyes burn Cause I said to myself, look what you've done to her I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels All I know is that I'm never dishing of the raw deal Playing make-believe, pretending that I'm true Holding in my laugh as I say that I love you Saying a more, kissing you on the ear Whispering I love you and I'll always be here Although I often reminisce, I can't believe that I found A desire for true love floating around Inside my soul, because my soul is cold One half of me deserves to be this way till I'm old But the other half needs affection and joy And the warmth that is created by a girl and a boy I need love
the run. I need something that's stronger. Friendship, trust, honor, respect, admiration. This whole experience has been such a revelation. It's taught me love and how to be a real man. To always be considerate and do all I can. Protect you, you're my lady and you mean so much. My body tingles all over from the slightest touch of your hand. And understand, I'll be frozen in time. Till we meet face to face and you tell me you're mine. If I find you, girl, I swear I'll be a good man. I'm not gonna leave it in destiny's hands. I can't sit and wait for my princess to arrive. I gotta struggle and fight to keep my dream alive. I search the whole world for that special girl. When I finally find you, watch I love unfurl. I need love. Level up, level up, level up, level up. 
the show this has been keith johnson with his co-host sean mack and this is sports fans only <laughs>